your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Golden Knights podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome to the Locked On Golden Knights podcast. I'm Jack Manning. I'm AJ Alexander. AJ, the Vegas Golden Knights beat the San Jose Sharks on Wednesday night 5-4, to four, and they narrowly avoided overtime Tell me, what stood out to you from Wednesday night's game? Well, Shea Theodore scored with about four minutes into the game, and okay, great game. Sharks and Golden Knights are on. We saw some chippiness early as well. Then basically everything just got flipped upside down. This was an upside-down game from, like I said, more or less beginning to end. Had a little bit of everything. Ryan Reeves scoring goals, Mark Stone and Jonathan Marcheseau fighting. The rivalry is still there, that's for sure. The Sharks had a 3-1 to one lead in probably their best period of hockey all season long in that second period when they were up 3-1 to one heading into the second intermission. And then the Golden Knights did what they've done so many times this season, and they came roaring back and completed the comeback, even though Evander Kane scored and made it a little more interesting toward the end there. But more or less, this game was just upside down and backwards. Yeah, upside down, backwards, and inside out. This is this is the stranger things of, of Golden Knights games where nothing quite might make sense, but it's definitely it's definitely intriguing to watch. I, I I will say this: if there's one thing that you can walk away from this game with, it's that there are guys on the Vegas Golden Knights that are willing to do whatever it takes to win. You saw Jonathan Marsh so willing to get in scrap to to stick up for a teammate. You saw. Uh, you saw Mark Stone willing to fight Hurdle the Turtle. It, it was an absolute ridiculous game. But if there's one thing that stood out, you're exactly right. The Golden Knights always find a way to get it done. And, and as you woke up this morning, the Golden Knights reclaimed the number one spot in the standings by point percentage. They're one of th- only two other teams, three in the league, that have 20 wins. Those other two teams being Carolina and Tampa Bay. And again, they did it against a rival. The rivalry is definitely alive and kicking, that's for sure, regardless of where the Sharks are. Most importantly, though, like you said, they showed that they can win in any instance, which we've talked about before, whether it's dominating a game, whether it's coming from behind, whatever the case may be, it seems like Vegas can just flip a switch and turn on their best hockey. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, that when when they want to win, when they want to be a better team, especially against a mediocre team like that, they can absolutely turn it on and get scoring from all over the lineup. And you're right. We saw Ryan Reeves put in two goals. Obviously, one of them got disallowed, but a bigger game from that fourth line than we may have seen all season long. And look, you mentioned the Sharks are a pretty terrible team. They aren't on the bottom of the standings, but they're only three points ahead of Anaheim, yet they've played more games. So you could argue that they basically are the cellar dweller of the Pacific Division. I'm not calling it the West. (laughs) (laughs) One thing is nice to see in that 
these two teams still have disdain for each other. Ryan Reeves mentioned it in his post-game press conference. Several of the Sharks did as well. You definitely saw that on the ice. But again, more importantly, these games are still spirited. They're still close and competitive for the most part. And I love to see that. I was honestly really disappointed when San Jose sort of took a dive uh, last season. You want to see your rival do well enough that the games matter, that when you play a four-point game like this, you want those four points to mean something. But exactly, when when the San Jose Sharks are sitting at the bottom of the standings, in some respects, I'm almost rooting for them to pick up a, an extra point yeah. in overtime just to, just to ruin their draft position a little bit more. And that's a, that's a weird, fuzzy place to be. I mean, that second period, they looked like the Sharks of old. They had everybody contributing. Evander Kane had two points in that period alone. They had Tomas Hurdle getting involved. Mario Ferraro got his first goal. I think that's his 10th point on the year. Again, just everybody looking good. Even uh, Eric Carlson actually made a few or had a few pretty solid opportunities. He assisted on the Evander Kane goal in the third. But going back to that second, it really confounds me why this team, when you look at the roster on paper, why this team is doing so badly. Again, that second period was a flash of what they're capable of, and they just couldn't string together anything else other than that, the feeble attempt at a comeback at the end of the game. But they definitely put pressure on this Golden Knights team, and it really makes me question what exactly is going on in San Jose, because the roster's got talent on it. I know that Certain players after the game said San Jose may not know how to win. I really disagree with that. They've got players on that roster who have won plenty of games and playoff games in their career. I don't really know what's going on there. I tend to believe that it's the same thing that happens to every team, that father time wins 100% of the time undefeated. And at some point, the Grim Reaper comes for every guy's career. And unfortunately, the vast majority of the San Jose Sharks talent is on the wrong side of 30. And so there's a couple of things to take away from that. First, the San Jose Sharks, the San Jose Sharks don't have anyone good coming up in the pipeline. And they they don't have any young players on the roster right now that that look like they're going to be stars. And so they're going to be bad for for the foreseeable future, at least unless they get a a really good player or, or four in this upcoming draft. And then the other thing that I take away from that is that at any time, any team can go from a Stanley Cup contender to an absolute pretender overnight. There will come a day when the top players on the Vegas Golden Knights are no longer able to do what they do now. And there's a pretty good likelihood based on where the San Jose Sharks are that in four or five years, when those top talents uh, on the Golden Knights are no longer performing at, at top capacity, that we're going to see this script flipped at, at least temporarily. And so enjoy these wins enjoy the way that the golden knights are playing now because there's no guarantee that three four five years from now despite some of the outstanding prospects in the vegas golden knight system there's no guarantee that the golden knights are going to be a stanley cup contender year in and year out i mean san jose does have a pretty decent prospect uh with ryan markley in the system i mean don't they need another defensive and that's weak on the defensive side but that can maybe contribute on offense i mean they don't have any of those <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, don't they need a guy that's got uh, attitude problems and, the, and that everyone in the league says is, it can't work anywhere else and they, they scrape by in San Jose? Yeah, you know, I'm sure they need a lot more of those guys. Speaking of offensive defensive, though, Alec Martinez 
has actually played really well over this last stretch of last stretch of games but holy cow was this third period huge for him he got what ended up being the game winning goal on the power play and had five blocks in the last i don't know few minutes of the game one of which probably prevented a goal the game tying goal what a period for this guy yeah i mean he's he's been great all year long and and the way that he compliments shea theodore the way those two guys play together is just something really fascinating to watch because you've seen shea theodore play with a bunch of different guys as good as shea theodore has looked you know on the the other side of petrangelo and looked on the other side of McNabb, man when he's next to Alec Martinez and ever since Alec Martinez came to the team, those two have been, in my opinion, the, the best pair for the Golden Knights, certainly the top pair in my mind. We're definitely seeing the defensive men on this team sort of separate themselves. Shea Theodore, even though he's not having as flashy of a year as he did last season, quietly putting together a really solid campaign. He's got 22 points in 24 games played out of what a possible, where are we at? 27. Yeah, that's that's right. And it, it, I, if you go back and watch that first period from last night's game, Shea Theodore easily could have had three goals if, if things had gone just a little bit differently. He he was really putting up a nice poised game. And I think I think there's a good chance that Shea Theodore is going to continue to put up point after point just like that, even if he's not putting up those flashy plays, because I think he's learning when to use them. I think he's learning when it's necessary to dangle around five guys and when it's better for him to just take the shot because he's got such a good set of tools that he can do it either way. And he doesn't always have to dance in order to, to, to score the goal. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine, and BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. So enter the promo code LOCKEDON to get that 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. And Built Bar is the most amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is best because it's Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or at Built underscore Bar on Twitter, and remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com, and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. So, AJ, we are back now. The Vegas Golden Knights have been active over the last couple of days. They have signed a brand-new defenseman from the KHL, a guy by the name of Daniil Moranimov. Moranimov? Moranimov. Exactly. Uh, I want to make sure that folks have a chance to go and listen to my interview with Peter Deliberatore, one of the Vegas Golden Knights' top defense prospects who is currently chasing a Frozen Four championship with Quinnipiac University and, and is looking like he may sign a contract with the Vegas Golden Knights as early as the end of his season, which could be any time now. But AJ, if the folks have already listened to that interview with Peter Deliberatore, they should stick around here and listen to us talk about the newest Golden Knight, Daniil Miramanov. 
is how I'm choosing to believe it's pronounced. <laughs> and hey, another Russian. Yeah, it would seem that the Vegas Golden Knights issue with Russians has been largely overstated, and that doesn't come as any surprise to us. Now with Pavel Dorofayev playing for the Henderson Silver Knights and a new Russian in the fold uh, in the form of Daniil Muraminov, uh, signed to a one-year entry-level contract that will begin next year in the 2021-2022 season, this is a guy that is likely going to add some depth to Henderson. I don't know if this guy has any NHL upside. I spent a good portion of today going through some of his his highlights, trying to find out if there's something more to this guy than just depth. But what I've found is that he's definitely got uh, some some pretty good speed. He's six foot four. Uh, just a, a shade under 200 pounds, so he's not a not a huge guy in terms of bulk, but definitely tall. He's got a, a heck of a shot and a little bit more style than I would have expected. He's a former prospect of the Columbus Blue Jackets, played for their ECHL team. Did well there too. Did quite well, but never never got himself an NHL deal, and so that's why the Vegas Golden Knights have been able to sign him to a, a relatively cheap entry level contract. Did pretty well in Sochi as well, but. Here's the thing. It's basically a lottery ticket. Is that fair? I mean, you look at his body of work and it's kind of mixed, but at the same time, you know, there might be something there. And if not, it, it was worth a shot to take a look at least. Yeah, absolutely. This is a guy that is top 10 in KHL scoring for defensemen, so he certainly has a little bit more skill than most. And I think he immediately drops in and is higher on the depth chart than some of the other prospects that are playing at Henderson. So, all things considered, this is a, a risk worth taking. It's worth giving him a contract. But I don't think that Golden Knights fans should think that this is a guy that's going to come in and and replace anyone in the top four. That's not what we're looking at here. We're probably looking at a guy that is going to be an occasional call-up and at his best is probably a bottom-pairing guy. But if you can get that for free without having to spend a right. draft pick or a significant amount of salary, or or trade for him. That's a that's a great transaction for the club. Uh, I would expect him to get immediate power play time on the top power play unit uh, in Vegas. He was actually pretty good on the penalty kill, apparently as well. So he's a multi-use tool there. And again, if you're looking for depth, that's exactly what you want to see out of a player, especially like you mentioned, for free. And you know, you look at who the Golden Knights have signed in recent years as undrafted free agents. A couple of guys come to mind, Dylan Coughlin, and obviously both of those guys are undrafted free agents. Jimmy Schultz hasn't had quite the same level of success. He was also one of their undrafted free agents. If the Golden Knights have done anything as a club, is they've been able to identify undrafted talent that can have an impact on the NHL club. And so if you've got, let's say, a two out of three chance of, of making uh, this player into an NHL asset, hey, go ahead and swing. He said some interesting things about Brandon Cruz there. That's another prospect that is from the NCAA that is definitely on the VGK prospect radar. Yeah, that's right. So Brandon Cruz is a senior right now in the NCAA. Uh, and so that means that the Vegas Golden Knights have until August 15th of this year to get him under contract. And so if you're asking me, I think that Brandon Cruz is definitely a guy that the Golden Knights should try to get under contract. But I'm going to be really curious to see whether or not Brandon Cruz thinks it's a good idea to come to the Vegas Golden Knights organization. Obviously, the Golden Knights are a great organization. They've done a great job developing young talent. But 
if there's one thing that's sure about the Vegas Golden Knights and the Henderson Silver Knights is that there's a big logjam trying to get into the NHL right now. Yes. And so if I'm Brandon Cruz and, and I only have to wait until August to become a free agent and I can go sign with whatever team I want to get a better chance to make my dream of making the NHL come true, I'm not sure that I, that I wait for the Vegas Golden Knights to, to find room for me on the NHL roster. Uh, so it's going to be really curious to see whether or not he signs when his season is over and takes the bird in the hand, or if he puts things off a little while, weighs his options, and, and sees if there might be greener grass in other pastures. And a lot of, if not most, players get drafted out of juniors, but this is really the advantage of going to school as a prospect, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. Brandon Cruz was drafted when he was already a sophomore in the NCAA or heading heading into his sophomore year. And so as a as an NCAA player, he gets the the advantage that most junior players don't take advantage of uh, of being able to choose where he wants to sign. Now, obviously, I think that Brandon Cruz has the ability to choose his destiny, and that destiny could very well be the Vegas Golden Knights. But you'd be kidding yourself if you thought that it hadn't crossed his mind to to go explore options, especially with teams that aren't in a position to win right now. It really does put you in a in an advantageous position as a prospect, because even if it isn't for, even if your decision to go to school isn't solely based on wanting to choose your own fate, you see uh, prospects like Zach Whitecloud, who he literally was going because he needed a degree and he didn't think that his NHL career would ever happen. Lo and behold, the, the rose blooms and we have the player that we have now. So it's not the only reason, but, Again, there are just so many more advantages as a prospect in their position at the negotiating table or just choosing your own fate, choosing your own adventure, if you will, in the NHL. One of our favorite prospects, or at least one of mine in the system, is Jack Dugan. And Mr. Deliberatory actually had some interesting comments about him as well. And if you know Jack Dugan as a prospect, as a player, they seem to have fit the profile pretty well. Exactly. Dilbertori was clear that Jack Dugan is a tough guy to play against, can get under guy's skin, and that he's really looking forward to playing on the same team with him. Really thinks that he's a good guy and an even better hockey player. Uh, so it's it's great to to see that there's that much respect for for a prospect like Dugan, and I'm I'm confident that uh, Peter Dilbertori is going to end up end up in the NHL one day, and I think the ability for Dugan to feed passes to Liberatore and Deliberatore to feed passes to Dugan is going to create points for, for the Golden Knights at the NHL level. I know I'm going out on a bit of a limb here by, by saying that, but I think both of those guys are going to prove to be absolute gems taken in the later rounds by the Golden Knights. Going out on a limb, sure, I guess. But I mean, what's the fun in bashing on prospects? They're the future, they're the hope of your future franchise. I mean, what's the fun in that? Jim Rutherford, uh, who is the former GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins, who resigned abruptly this year. Uh, we didn't talk about that on this show at all, but man, he this is a guy that has been a long-term executive in the NHL and just quit in the middle of the season. Uh, he confirmed that he tried aggressively to, to get Marc-Andre Fleury back into the Pittsburgh Penguins organization over the summer when it was rumored that the Vegas Golden Knights were trying aggressively to, to shop Flurry, 
And it seems, based on his comments, that maybe the Golden Knights weren't as motivated to move Flurry as some folks might have suspected. A lot of people talked about, oh, the Golden Knights should attach a first-round pick to Marc-Andre Flurry to move his contract. Uh, not sure that that was ever going to happen. Uh, here's what Jim Rutherford had to say. I did what I never do, and I will never do again if I work again. I called the general manager, Kelly McCrimmon, during their playoff series against Dallas. I said, if you're moving Mark, you can make sure you call me. I want him. I was serious, very serious, very willing to give a lot to get him too. What I think is a lot and what other teams think is a lot may be two different things. I wasn't looking at it as them giving him away. I was certainly willing to pay the price to get him back. I tried. To me, that sounds like... To me, that sounds like no one was expecting, to me, that sounds like no one in that transaction was looking uh, for Vegas to attach assets to Marc-Andre Fleury. Instead, it looks like uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins were looking to give actual value for Fleury's contract. And if I'm not mistaken, this call was made during the round against the Dallas Stars in the playoff bubble, am I right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So again, this goes back to when Fleury was still doing well, but... It was clear Leonard may have taken the position. You have to imagine Bill Foley would have put a stop to that considering some of his comments. Who knows? I mean, this could have ended very differently and this season could have very easily started off as a disaster should that have happened. If Robin Leonard had been injured and they didn't have Marc-Andre Fleury, you'd probably have been looking at a tandem of Logan Thompson and Oscar Dansk. And for as good as Logan Thompson has been this year, I have to believe that if he had been thrown straight from the ECHL into the NHL without that stop in the AHL in the middle, the story surrounding Logan Thompson would not have been nearly as positive. So in your opinion, though, how much of that move that Rutherford tried to make is trying to keep the Penguins competitive when he knew that they were kind of on the downturn? Or how much do you think it is, let's keep the fans interested in a sort of let's get the band back together as they all retire in the next few coming years just to sell tickets because the Penguins aren't going to be a very good team over the next few years. I tend to believe that Jim Rutherford was doing everything he could to squeeze the last little bit out of the band uh, to, to maybe go and win one final Stanley Cup. As, sure. long, as long as you have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and, and Marc-Andre Fleury, you have a chance to win games. You have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And so... I think that Jim Rutherford believed in Marc-Andre as much as the Golden Knights should, and I think do believe in Marc-Andre Fleury. I think they see him as a Vesna caliber goalie, and if they had been successful in that trade, if they had been able to acquire Marc-Andre Fleury and add him to that fold, I think that the Penguins would be having an entirely different season this year. And it just goes to show you that even the, the biggest and most renowned experts on Twitter and in the hockey world in general Still don't really know what's happening because at the end of last year, we were talking about Flurry being washed up. In the beginning of this year, we were talking about, not we, but the hockey verse. We're talking about Evgeny Malkin being washed up. And now they're both looking great. So again, it just goes to show you that more often than not, people hired to be in these positions should be more often than not. I think more often than not, the guys that are running teams tend to know more than the guys that aren't. So when you hear about someone criticizing a, a long-term executive that is doing well and is continuing to do well, sometimes it's worthwhile to give them the benefit of the doubt. 
Rutherford gave some really great details in this interview. I love it. It was almost like a wrestling shoot interview. You won't get that reference. Plenty of others will. Don't worry. But <laughs> once it was clear that Pittsburgh was likely moving on from Flurry, he mentioned to Rutherford, if there's a way to get me to Vegas, please make it happen. He's loved Vegas since before he was here. Much like another franchise player we have, Mark Stone. They both got their wishes and they both absolutely love it here. And both have been the, the leading force for, for this team to be successful since their arrival. I mean, you, you look at the guys that have tried to get here, and I think that includes Max Pacioretty as well. The, sure. guy, the guys that have tried to get here have been incredibly effective. Uh, obviously, Alex Petrangelo hasn't uh, quite lived up to that contract just yet, but we're going to talk about him just after the break. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic car or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available to your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available to you for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you find out about us box so that they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag wherever you get podcasts. So a picture came out via Sinbin. Alex Petrangelo actually is rocking the Bob Orton special. And again, you won't get that, but the wrestling fans in the listening verse will. He had a cast on his arm slash wrist hand area. That was widely speculated to be the injury after he took a slap shot off of that area. What can that mean as far as the timetable of his return? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what his timetable is for returning, but I can tell you when I broke my hand uh, playing hockey a couple of years ago, I, I, I was sidelined for about six weeks before I could get the cast off. And so I would expect that with the, the top quality care and the, the guys and the training staff of the, the Vegas Golden Knights, he's probably looking at a similar timetable, somewhere between four and six weeks from the time he was injured. But I think you can expect for the Vegas Golden Knights to be working with a, a a defense group that doesn't include Alex Petrangelo and is going to continue to rely on three young defensemen in Coughlin, White Cloud, uh, and, and Haig. Can you talk to some of the maybe newer fans about the point of LTIR, what the purpose is and what the advantage is from a team standpoint as far as why you would bother placing a player on it? Yeah, placing a player on long-term injured reserve allows the team to exceed the cap by generally speaking, and this isn't quite accurate, but for the sake of ease, allows them to exceed the cap by the amount of the contract that is placed on LTIR. Now, that being said, it does not allow them to continue to accrue additional cap space. So 
but what it does allow them to do is exceed the cap for at least the duration of the injury so that they don't have to do those those cap gymnastics. Now, as that pertains potentially to the upcoming and impending trade deadline, how does that work? Does that do you think that'll factor into any of Vegas's potential plans because in years past I have sat with you in the studio dreading the trade deadline. You and I have both said we want to lock George McPhee and maybe even Kelly McCrimmon into a closet. Don't go there. The trade deadline is all of a sudden around the corner and Vegas is pretty cap strapped. So we may not have to worry about finding keys to the closet, but do you think this LTIR move or anything else for that matter shapes up to be any potential moves at that deadline? Yeah. I mean, depending on the severity of the injury and how long he's expected to be out, if Petrangelo is expected to be out for the remainder of the season, and, and that's not that long of a time, we're talking, you know, two, two months from now. And if, if he's going to be injured for six weeks or eight weeks, it's very possible the Golden Knights could have available cap space to bring in uh, an additional player to to fortify uh, an already incredibly deep team. You, so you see what the Tampa Bay Lightning have been able to do with Kucherov, who's on LTIR and is already skating with his team, but he's not going to be able to come back until the end of the season when uh, there is no cap in the postseason there is no salary cap because players don't get paid extra so if they can get all the way to the playoffs without having to reactivate Petrangelo they could potentially add another player now that being said Elliot Friedman today the the great Elliot Friedman perhaps the top insider in all of the NHL world the Bob father successor if you will yeah the Bob father successor the heir apparent to all (laughs) things inside uh Elliot Friedman clarified in (laughs) 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 Elliot Friedman clarified today that he does not believe the Golden Knights are looking to add a top nine forward or, or any forwards really Uh, at the trade deadline because of the amount that they have spent over the past couple of years adding new players. And so you you tend to believe what Elliot Friedman has to say. uh, But that being said, the Golden Knights have always made big swings at the trade deadline. A year one, they they swang for Tatar, and uh, he is a great player that probably could have fit in well here if 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 the situation had been different. The next year, they went out and they grabbed Mark Stone. Uh, and he was one of the, uh, he was an outstanding uh, trade deadline acquisition and had things gone differently in the first round against the Sharks and had a, a, f- a fake major not been called. It's possible that he could have been the, the key to, to taking that team uh, again to another Stanley Cup final. And, and then last year, they, they acquired Alec Martinez and Robin Leonard, both of whom played a huge role in the playoffs. And so I would not be blown away if the Vegas Golden Knights were to make an acquisition if they have the available cap space uh, through Alex Petrangelo's LTIR placement. But that's putting the cart way ahead of the horse because at this point, we really don't know how long uh, Petrangelo will be out. So what I'm hearing from you is obviously Vegas is about to trade Ryan Reeves for a first-round pick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... That being said, the Vegas Golden Knights do have a ton of assets, especially headed into an expansion draft summer where there are going to be teams, especially teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, that are going to have expansion issues, that are going to be faced with losing a player for nothing uh, 
if the Golden Knights can solve some of those problems by trading a, a prospect or a pick for an established player, especially an established young player, I would be surprised if they don't at least explore those options. So uh, I think that the trade deadline is something to, to watch closely. I don't know how active they're going to be, but I'd be surprised if they aren't deep in, in conversations with, with every team in the league trying to figure out if, if there's a move that they can make to get them that much closer to a cup. So we'll be back again tomorrow with more Locked on Golden Knights.